Is it recording? Can I start? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. I told everyone. That surely is the Aron, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, where the Luchos that Moshe brought down from Sinai were placed. The Torah describes for us the Aron itself, and the Torah describes the cover for the Aron, which was called the Kaporet. And then the Torah describes that on the kaporet were two golden figures. Translation of the word kruvim. But it's uh, a form of angelic representation. And there are... uh, myriad uh, interpretations as to what the Kruvim looked like. And that what forms the one that is most uh, popular and prevalent is that the Kruvim had children. And that uh, they were uh, therefore uh, benign creatures. Because they were stable and they had this wonderful countenance of children. I remember that uh, there was a Jew that once came to our house. And uh, my mother, of blessed memory, showed him a picture of her grandchildren. And he looked at the picture and he said, look how quietly they are standing. So if the Kruvim are uh, molten gold figures with the faces of children, so that there's a permanence to that. Yet we find in the Torah itself an earlier reference to Kruvim with a completely different interpretation. And the Torah tells us uh, regarding the Garden of Eden, Gan Eden. So uh, Odom, Arisha, and Chava are expelled. 
And in order to prevent their return, because the natural instinct of human beings is to come to Gan Eden, so the Revolver Shalom, so to speak, installs Malachim, angels, and there the Torah calls them Kruvim also. And they have a uh, flaming sword that rotates and prevents Adam and Chava from returning to Ganeda. And Rashi there on the word Kruvim says Malaches Habola. They are angels of destruction. Angels of vengeance. Angels that prevent man from coming back to his original status. So here in our parsha, we have a picture of Kuvim as being uh, beautiful, benign children. And there we have a picture of Kuvim as being Malachi Tablola. Angels of destruction. So which is it? Now, the truth he said, in our parsha there are numerous midrashim as to what the proving looked like. So I told you the one that the Gomorrah mentions and the one that's most popular in Jewish thought and tradition. But there are those that interpreted it differently, that the Kruvim on top of the Oron were, so to speak, also Malaches Habola, angels of potential destruction. But we're going to go with the fact, with the accepted version, and the one that's most often quoted, that they were the face of beneficial children. We find in Tanakh that there also is mention of Kruvim. The Novi Yechesko mentions it when he describes his wondrous vision of the, the hosts of heaven. And there it's uh, pretty neutral as to what he's accrued is. It's not explained to us in detail. So what is the symbol of the Kruvim on the Kapolet, which is on the Oron, which covers the Luchos? So in terms of the construction of the Mishkan, it's simple. It's obvious that the Torah is telling us how to make the Yoram. It's telling us how to make the Kapoor. But uh, we are faced with the problem that we're going to have uh, for these five Shabbatot. Why in the world is so much detail expended in the verses of the Torah 
on the construction and appearance of the Mishka, especially since the Mishka is no is not with us any longer and has not been with us for thousands of years. So what is the message that is imparted here? Because of this uh, problem, uh, throughout the ages, uh, different scholars have read into the construction of the Mishkan and the construction of its artifacts, uh, moral lessons uh, that are eternal, that cannot be destroyed. So that the uh, descriptions in the uh, Chumash uh, remain somehow real and cogent and vital to us. So there's an idea regarding the Kuvim that I want to share with you today. The Gomorrah tells us that when the temple was destroyed, the first temple, and the Babylonian conquerors entered the temple and attempted to loot it. So there's, again, different traditions. Uh, one tradition that we have is that the Novi Yermio came uh, decades before the destruction of the first temple, and he took all of the artifacts out of the temple, and that they're buried somewhere. Not to be flippant, but that's the Indiana Jones theory. But from the postus of the postic, the simple explanation of the verses, and the simple explanation that the Gomorrah seems to give to it, the Babylonians came and found the Oron, and they found the Kruvim, uh, the Kapoet on top of it. And the Gomorrah says that the Kruvim were like a loving couple, a man and a woman, embracing each other. And the nations of the world mocked that because they said, uh, what's wrong with these people that they uh, hold that to be holy? So out of all of this, what are we to make of it? That it should give us a uh, lasting lesson. So uh, there's an idea that's referred to in both Hasidic and non-Hasidic sources. And that is that the Kruvim are, so to speak, neutral. 
and it depends upon human behavior how the crew will react. So uh, in the Garden of Eden, when Odom and Chavo sin and bring uh, mortality to the world, Uh, so the Kruvim represent a negative force. They're the Malachi Chabola. They're the ones that prevent us from returning to the garden. In the Mishkan, where we are talking about taking physical artifacts and raising them to the level of holiness, which is one of the great challenges in life. How to be a Nam Kadosh Nam Lachas Goani Goi Kadosh How does the physical nation which is engaged in the daily pursuit of life that has to earn its bread, that has to defend itself, that has to somehow survive. How can it reach any level of holiness? If you're always engaged, so to speak, in... Uh, cleaning out the sewer. If that's your job. Yet, the Torah tells us that with the acceptance of the Torah at Sinai and then the construction of the Mishkan, which was built by the Jewish people with donative intent, these two gold figures, which originally are avenging angels, originally are Malachi Tabolo, now come to the status of being benign children. And the nine children is the symbol of the future. In fact, the whole concept of family and of children is, is a, a faith in the future. The world uh, generally, the Western world particularly, but it's true of uh, Russia and China as well. Uh, suffer from dwindling populations. Birth rates that do not replace themselves. In the uh, Western world, Israel is the only exception. The only country that has a birth rate that replaces itself and increases itself. So having children is a vote for the future. That there will be a future. 
we saw that uh, in uh, the legend that Rashi brings that uh, Amram wanted to divorce his wife, Yocheved, because he said there's no use bringing children into this world. A world of Pharaoh and a world of babies being thrown into the Nile, and forget it. And it was his daughter that restored his faith. So having a child is a declaration of faith. It's a statement that there is a future. Because otherwise, why? So the Mishkan, the faces of the Kruvim, were the faces of children. In Ganadin, the Kruvim were the symbol of the past. You want to go back to the good old days, which is always the uh, the nature of people. Shlomo Melech says he should never... <laughs> Excuse me. You should never say uh, the old days were great and now it's no good. Because that's looking backwards. And nothing is ever achieved by looking backwards. Only remorse. I once heard a uh, great debate uh, between Dr. Tversky and another psychiatrist. So the other psychiatrist maintained that the whole secret of life lay in understanding your past. Mm. You have to understand your childhood. You have to understand what happened to you in school. You have to understand all of the things of the past. And that that was the secret of unlocking your psyche, so to speak. And Tversky said, no. The whole secret of life is the future. It's forgetting the past. You're erasing it. Because you can't change that. Whatever was, is. That's the way it is. Part of the uh, natural instinct of people uh, to look back and to blame uh, government or those in authority or power for what happened is because we always looking in the past. If it were not a past, then things would be different. But the past is here. It happened. Doesn't change. Doesn't go anywhere. So then the only thing that exists is how we shape our future. What will be now? We call that resilience. 
So he maintained that that was the key to mental health. Mental health is Mental health is looking at the future. So having children is the key component there will be and a better future. Many great grandchildren. Some of them are one. One of my great grandchildren is going to get married soon. Mm. So there'll be another generation. So you're able to project yourself a hundred years into the future. That's a great gift. So that's what the Kruvin. The Kruvin that are on top of the Torah, that are attached to the Torah, give you that feeling. Because Torah is eternity. Torah is always the future. So if you're attached to that past, so then you're attached to the future. If you're attached to the future, you're a more optimistic person. You're a healthier person. It's a blessing. If you're attached to the Malachi Chabola, if you're always looking in the past, you're never going back to the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. That that will never happen. So to uh, waste our efforts, so to speak, on an impossibility, on something that can never happen, is really foolish. So the Kruvians, to a certain extent, are what you make of them. If I attach them to the Torah, and I, I look to the future, and I see in them the faces of children, so there's a holiness, there's a purpose, there's an eternity, there's something that lasts beyond us. If only the thing that I see in them is Malachi Chabola, the negative parts, what could have been, what should have been, so then I'm doomed. Cannot push forward. And therefore, you'll see in the Chumash generally, Moshe, when he discusses things, he always discusses them in the future. God will bring you there to Israel. 
he describes, he's always looking in the future, to the end of days. Because in the pursuit of the future, the past somehow can make some sense. And we can have a vision for ourselves as to what to do and what we should do and what is important. So again, the Kruvim are neutral. The Kruvim are what you make of them. They are where you place them. What tools do you give them? Do you give proving swords so they prevent you from going to gun aid? Do you give them Torah so then they hover over holiness? And that's why out of all of the artifacts of the Mishkan, the Oron is chosen as the primary one. We'll have it later in later Parshios. Vasisa is Oron, or Vayas is Oron. It's not only because the Oron contained the Luchos. It's because the Oron represented the future. The Oron was what was going to be. And we see that throughout Jewish history. Everything else was lost, but the Torah that the Oron represented is what it gave us survival. It's the one point that holds us together. That's a very important lesson, it's certainly in our time. It's going to be a world of recriminations. There'll be committees and commissions and mm. all sorts of things. Mm. I don't say that they're unnecessary, but they will not be productive. Because if anything that we will learn now is that all the mistakes that we made before, we made again. It's our attitude that has to change. Our viewpoint. So to know uh, the uh, defects that happened in the Yom Kippur War were of no value to us. But to know what our future should be and what sense of purpose we should have, uh, that is the gift that we have to embrace. And just like the Kruvim embraced each other, so too that's our attitude to Torah and to eternity and to all noble thoughts and behaviors. Our future, what's going to be, that really is a blessing. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Thank you for coming. Shabbat The lecture series beginning at 8 o'clock on anti-Semitism. If you did not sign up, you can come anyway.